Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. As always, I am your host, Daniel Gundlach. No preaching here, no lecturing, well, maybe just a tiny bit of each, but the primary spotlight will always be on the singers that enrich and enhance our lives, no matter what is going on in the world around us. Thanks for joining me. And now, this week's episode. Hello, my beloved listeners. Here is your intrepid podcaster, and I have a wonderful topic for us today. Music lovers recently celebrated the birthday of Giuseppe Verdi. I was busy preparing a different kind of podcast for the debut of season three of Counter Melody, so I didn't join in the celebrations. But I say better late than never, and I am also celebrating the beginning of my ninth year in Germany. Impossible, though that seems to me, and to perhaps a few others. So I thought I would combine these things and bring you an episode that I've been thinking about for quite a while, and that is performances of Verdi operas in German. This used to be very much the way that things were done here in Germany. That in the B and C houses, opera would invariably be sung in translation. It's possible that the advent of supertitles had a good deal to do with this shift, but I know that as recently as 10 years ago, and maybe even more recently, that opera was still being done in translation. These days, one is more likely to encounter a foreign work done in German translation if it's either Russian or Czech. Even operas originally set in English are being done in the original language. We won't discuss the quality of the diction, but nevertheless, the effort is being made. Many, many recordings were made between the 1920s and, I would say, maybe the early 1980s of operas in translation. And it's often the only chance that we get to hear singers who were quite celebrated for their roles in the original language interpreting these signature roles. It's also the opportunity to hear many great German singers whose careers didn't really extend that much outside of Germany. I had trouble choosing what I was going to offer today, and I decided to limit myself to primarily duets, but also a couple trios. This is partially so that you get to hear twice as many singers as you would otherwise. The entire episode will be framed by different performances of the Act One love duet from Otello. Let's begin with Wolfgang Windkassen as Otello, celebrated as a Wagnerian Helden tenor, albeit a lightweight one, and Teresa Stradas, who here, in this 1967 recording, was less than a decade into her career. Yeah. 
Yes, I faded out before the end of the duet, but that's because at the very end of this episode, I'm going to fade in to a different pair of singers singing the conclusion of the duet. Meanwhile, there's lots to say about Verdi and all operas being sung in German in Germany. Certainly in the early years of the 20th century, it would have been almost unheard of to encounter a French or an Italian opera sung in the original language. I'm going to offer a wide range of recordings between 1923 and 1973 today. That's a 50-year time frame. I'm going to take us through a chronological playlist of the different Verdi operas that I'm doing, and it just so happens that the first one I'm going to offer is a 1944 performance of Louisa Miller, which, in fact, is based on the play Kabale und Liebe by Friedrich Schiller, who was an inspiration for four different Verdi operas. Giovanna d'Arco was based on Die Jungfrau von Orleans. I Masnadieri was based on Die Räuber of Schiller. Louise Miller is based on Cabale und Liebe. And, as we will hear later, Don Carlo is based on Schiller's historical drama Don Carlos. So let's start with Louise Miller. The plot concerns a young woman who, to save the life of her father, writes a letter falsely proclaiming her devotion to a man of power, who is in fact her oppressor, and who betrays her. It leads to the dissolution of her real love relationship, and in fact the death of both of those two central characters. The aptly named Wurm is the villain in this piece. And this is the act to Shena between Wurm and Luise. In the role of Wurm, we hear the German bass baritone Georg Hahn, who had a not insignificant career. But even more importantly, in the title role of Luisa, or Luise, we hear Maria Zebotari, who was one of the great singing actors of her era, an extraordinarily versatile artist who was able to encompass roles from Susanna to Salome. She died at the age of 40 of leukemia. She sang Verdi, Puccini, Mozart, and Strauss primarily. But when I say that, she sang a really wide range of roles from Constanze to Celina from Sophie to Zalome, and from Mimi to Turandot. She really covered the gamut. Her Verdi roles were also similarly varied. She's an incredibly, palpably exciting Violetta. But I'm playing this Louisa Miller because it shows really her technical aplomb as well as her dramatic intensity. Dass wir Rudolf und seinem Zorn entgehen, komm es sobald es Nacht wird, lass uns miteinander rasch entfliehen. Was? Schreibe! Soll mit eigener Hand ich bezeugen meine Schuld? Thank you. 
Ich weiß, das ist bitter. Gott! Es schmerzt mich. Doch was weiter? Was weiter? Mein Vater! Wir freisen! So consider an aspect of Verdi operas in Germany that is more than a little disquieting. You heard, I'm sure, that this performance of Louisa Miller took place in 1944, while the Nazi regime was in full swing, and indeed Maria Zebotari was a figurehead of the Third Reich. She appeared in countless films, many of them opposite Beniamino Gigli, and she remains a controversial figure today, in spite of, and perhaps maybe even because of, her exceptional talent, which was put to the service of such complete evil. In fact, we really need to say a word about how Verdi himself was co-opted as a figure of the Third Reich. There were aspects of his biography, his humble origins, his commitment to the political elements in music, and also his nationalism that led to his being co-opted by the Nazi regime as almost an honorary figure. Performances of his operas surpassed those of Wagner during this era and he remains one of the most popular and performed of all operatic composers. Look, I am not an expert on this, but there has been much that has been written about that very uncomfortable interface between Verdi and the Third Reich, and it's something that must 
Again, be considered, even though it's a very uncomfortable topic. Likewise, some of the other singers that we are going to hear today also had extremely disturbing associations with the Nazis. There is another aspect, however, to Verdi performance in Germany that also bears consideration and is a much more positive thing. That is the presence of so many African-American artists who were incorporated into the German opera system and whose lives and careers really unfolded there. As listeners to my podcast know, I spend a lot of time focused on singers of color, many of whom chose German-speaking Europe as their new homeland. One such singer whom I featured in the first season of Counter Melody is Gloria Davy. The next opera that we're going to hear examples of is Il Trovatore, or Der Troubadour. In the first season of Counter Melody, I did an episode on Gloria Davy, who became a citizen of Switzerland, and whose career and life was centered in Europe from the 1950s on until her death in 2012. She was renowned for her Aida, although, as I argued in my episode about Gloria Davy, I don't think that she was a natural-born Aida in terms of her vocal ability. I think that the role of Leonora in Trovatore actually suited her much better. We're going to hear the scene and trio that concludes Act 1 of Il Trovatore, Gloria Davy is the Leonora, the Manrico is the Hungarian tenor, Sandor Konya, who was one of the big recording stars of Deutsche Grammophon in the 1960s, and who recorded a number of his parts in albums of Große Querschnitte, or operatic excerpts, in German. As Di Luna, we are going to hear the American baritone Raymond Wolanski, whose career was centered in Stuttgart, and in fact, Stuttgart is the basis of this recording. He's an exceptionally gifted Verdi baritone. I particularly like the very clean way that he sings the gruppetti, the rapid-fire notes in the main theme of the trio. The conductor here is the Hungarian-born Janos Kulka, who worked as a conductor and repetiteur in Budapest, Vienna, Munich, Stuttgart, and Hamburg, and eventually became the GMD, the music director in Wuppertal. Strahl der Hoffnung. Oh, 
dich sehen, du musst mich hören, teure, mit all Gewalt in mich mein Herz zu dir. Der Troubadour, oh Himmel, Qualen. Gott, was sehe ich? Sie kommt wirklich. Oh, 
I did my episode on the great German baritone Heinrich Rehkemper a few months ago, I also included very brief excerpts of three other baritones, Heinrich Schlussnuss, Gerhard Hüsch, and Willi Domgraf Fassbender, all of whom were excellent Verdi singers. From the 1920s on, there was a big Verdi renaissance in Germany, and all of those singers took part in portraying roles in Verdi operas. I'm going to play you the fourth act duet between Di Luna and Leonora, where she offers her body to him in exchange for the life of her lover Manrico, and he, Di Luna, greedily and lustfully assents to her proposal, not realizing that she has poison in her ring and she's going to take it before he can ever take her. The soprano here is Margarete Teschemacher, who is one of the great German lyric dramatic voices. She premiered the title role of Strauss's Daphne, but she sang so much else, including a lot of Verdi, and she is an exceptional artist who I'm really excited to present to you for the first time on the podcast. This recording is from 1932. You will hear that the conductor, Erich Ortmann, leading the orchestra of the Staatsoper Berlin, really drives this piece in the most exciting way. This is as full-blooded a performance of this duet as you will ever hear, no matter what language it's being performed in. Never mind that Teschemacher is a little sloppy on the coloratura at the end of the duet, or that the conductor drives the final cadence so much that there's no time for her to do anything but pop out a staccato high C, which is a very strange effect, if I do say so myself. Regardless, it's a thrilling performance. I hope you enjoy it. Wie weit heißt es mir so, schreien zu 
1943, I'm going to again have to touch on the question of Nazis performing Verdi. This is the Danish tenor Helge Roswenge, who was a notorious and unapologetic Nazi, who nevertheless continued his career after the war. He must have been rehabilitated, quote-unquote, as many of those artists were. This is a portion of the Act Four duet between Manrico and his Ersatz mother, Azucena. She is portrayed here by Friedel Beckmann, who I think is one of the most talented German mezzo-sopranos of that era, and whose voice really brings to mind for me Christa Ludwig. (laughs) 
that great singer whom we lost earlier this year. Bruno Zeitler-Winkler, who was a very familiar name on many of these recordings from Berlin in this era, is the conductor. Macht deine Glieder ziehen. Nein, doch diesem Grotterlebenden möchte ich bald entfliehen. Ach, der Atem beginnt mir zu stoppen. Now let's move on to La Traviata, which, unlike 
most of the other Verdi operas performed in German, retains the same title, regardless of the language in which it's being performed. Here's a 1973 recording of the first act duet, Undi Felice, or Ich war bezaubert von deinem Reiz. Often on these recordings of Querschnitte, there are some very strange cuts and abbreviations made to many of the numbers, but it's a chance for us to hear specifically the great German soprano Anneliese Rothenberger in a role which suited her enormously well. She's one of my favorite German singers. She's one of my favorite singers, period. And so it's wonderful to present her to you. The tenor is Anton de Ridder, a Dutch tenor who developed from a lyric voice into a more dramatic voice. In 1979, he sang Floristan at Gleinborn opposite Elisabeth Söderström. Here he's a lovely Alfredo, and the conductor is Giuseppe Patané. And I should mention here that often in these recordings of operatic excerpts in German, conductors of the nationality of the composer would often be conducting. And such is the case with Patané, who conducted many such albums. Ich war Ja. 
Next, we're going to hear a truncated version of the Act II duet between Violetta and Alfredo's father, Germont, the Hungarian-Swiss soprano Maria Stader, who recorded a lot of opera, but who, in fact, did not sing very much on the operatic stage, is the Violetta, Lawrence Winters, the great African-American Verdi baritone, whose life and career was centered in Germany from the mid-1950s until his premature death in 1965 at the age of 49. This is a beautifully sung recording from both of these singers, but I must make note here that this is a very, especially from Maria Stadter, this is not an Italianate performance at all. So this duet ends up sounding more like something from a German opera than it does an opera originally composed in Italian. Hans Schmidt Isserstedt is the conductor in this 1958 recording. Thank you. 
One of the great, great, great German singers is Fritz Wunderlich. Most of his recordings of arias, of which he made many, are primarily in German translation. An exception to this is a live recording from Munich of La Traviata, in which he sings opposite Teresa Stradas, one of the few times that one hears Wunderlich singing an Italian opera in Italian. What I'm going to offer you today is the Parigi Cara duet, not with Stratos, but instead from a 1966 recording made shortly before Wunderlich's untimely death of O Lass uns fliehen aus diesen Mauern. Again, we have an Italian conductor at the helm, Bruno Bartoletti, who, of course, led Chicago Lyric Opera for so many years. The soprano is the great Hilde Guden. She is greatly deserving of a full episode on countermelody, and I hope to bring her to you in all of her glory in the very near future. For now, this is merely a hint of her greatness as a singer. What a wonderful pairing, Guden and Wunderlich.
Here's another thrilling duet for you guys. This is full-throated, balls-to-the-wall Verdi singing. It features two singers who were more known for their Strauss and Wagner, but who are incredibly effective as Ricardo and Amelia. The singers that we're going to hear are the American Jess Thomas and the German Inge Borg. Jess Thomas was born in Hot Springs, South Dakota in 1927 and died on my birthday, October 11th in 1993, at the age of only 66. Much of his career took place in Germany. He was a treasured Wagner singer. He sang in significant opera house reopenings in Berlin, Stuttgart, Munich, and was one of two great American singers particularly celebrated for his performance of the Kaiser, the Emperor, in Frau ohne Schatten. But he also sang many, many other primarily Wagner roles. Here he makes a dynamite Ricardo. Although he doesn't sound particularly Italianate, I think he's incredibly effective. And the soprano Ingeborg is the Amelia. She was one of the great Zalomes and Electras of the 1950s and 60s. She sang in the first performance in German of Manotti's The Council at the very beginning of her career. After her retirement from the operatic stage, she also was known as a cabaret artist and a diseuse. She lived until August 2018 to the age of 97. She has one of the great voices of her era, and you hear just how gleaming and brilliant her top voice was in this excerpt.
Looks like it's going to be yet another super long episode, but I hope you're enjoying it. As we take a little breath after those stunning high seas, I just want to mention that I'm always looking for support for the podcast on Patreon. If you'd like to support me with either a monthly or a once-a-year donation, please go to patreon.com slash countamelody, where you can offer any amount of support from $2 a month to $25 a year on up. Now let's resume the program as we turn to Don Carlos. The other Schiller adaptation that we're going to hear today, I mentioned James King a moment ago. He is another American singer whose career was very much centered in Europe and some of the biggest opera houses. We're going to hear a live performance of the Act Two. Well, it depends on which version we're listening to, but the duet between Don Carlos and Elisabetta, or Elisabeth. James King portrays Don Carlos and the radiant, radiant Spanish soprano Pilar Loengar, who was a member of the company of the Deutsche Oper here in Berlin for most of her performing career is the Elisabeth. I think both of them are at the very top of their game in this live 1967 performance that was recorded for video. Wolfgang Savalisch, one of the great German music directors, conducts the orchestra of the Deutsche Oper Berlin. Start my heart. Ich kann, ich kann 
going to move on to La Forza del Destino, Die Macht des Schicksals. Dresden was a center for the Verdi Renaissance in Germany, beginning in the year 1924, when a production of Die Macht des Schicksals was performed in a translation by Franz Werfel, who a few years earlier had also written an historical novel about the great Italian composer. Forza, or Die Macht des Schicksals, has remained one of the more popular operas here in Germany, and I have excerpts from two different recordings to share with you today. The first is from 1956, again in a recording based in Stuttgart. This is a quite rare recording featuring two of the most distinguished German singers of that era, who perhaps are not so well remembered today as they should be. This is the cloister scene between Padre Guardiano and Leonora, who is fleeing the attentions of a murderous and vengeful brother, and who is seeking a place of shelter. 
there's an extended duet between the bass and the soprano that is one of the great Verdi duets. Verdi excelled in duets between fathers and daughters, or in this case, a father figure, but Guardiano definitely occupies that role in this duet. So let's talk a moment about the singers that we're going to hear. Josef Greindel, who was one of the great Wagnerian bass baritones, sings the Padre Guardiano. He was a featured artist at Bayreuth for many years, and he also was an incredibly distinguished leader singer. I saw a description of his voice that said that it was like a rock quarry, rather craggy, but enormously impressive. I think that's actually a pretty accurate description of his voice. The soprano that we're hearing here is Annelise Kuppa, who was one of the great German lyric dramatic singers in the 40s and 50s. She took part in a number of recordings. She sang the role of Danae in the belated premiere of Strauss's opera Die Liebe der Danae at the Salzburg Festival in 1952. She was known primarily as a Wagner Strauss singer, and yet she was also a superb Verdian. I had to cut this duet down a bit, but you definitely hear the admirable qualities that both of these artists display. This is also a chance to hear the German conductor Ferdinand Leitner, who from 1947 until 1969 was the director of the Stuttgart Opera House, which at that point was known as the Württembergische Staatstheater Stuttgart. Oh, 
Thank you. 
Here's the final trio from a recording of excerpts from Die Macht des Schicksals that starred that other great German bass, Gottlob Frick, as well as Nikolai Geta as Alvaro, and in one of her first outings as a soprano, the great African-American singer, Grace Bunbury. She is an artist of such willpower and such determination and such incredibly focused musicianship. From what we're hearing here, she could very well have been a Verdi soprano from the very beginning of her career. Some people don't like her outings as a soprano. I think she's excellent in both. I don't choose one over the other. And of course, there's a famous video in which she appears through the magic of split screen singing the Aida Amneris duet with herself. That's in Italian. What we're going to hear here is the final trio, which begins with the words Nein nicht fluchen, right after Leonora has been stabbed by her dying brother, who in fact has been wounded in combat by none other than her lover from decades before, Don Alvaro. This is one of the most improbable operatic plots of all time, and yet it leads us to this glorious final trio. Giuseppe Patanè is once again conducting, this time the Staatskapelle Dresden, in this 1967 recording. <laughs> Da ich vergoss, da ich vergossen hab das Blut des Bruders. Ich verschrei, was ist geschehen? Oh, 
Now, I had just mentioned Aida, and it's time to listen to several excerpts from Aida in recordings made over the course of nearly 40 years. 
Let's start right in the middle with a 1953 recording live from Munich with Clemens Krauss leading the orchestra of the Bayerische Rundfunk. This recording is significant for a number of reasons. It's a chance to hear Clemens Krauss conduct Verdi, which we don't hear too much of, but it's also a chance to hear the exquisite African-American soprano Lenora Lafayette, whom I featured this past February on one of my Black History Month episodes. She was a severely under-recorded artist whose career was based out of Switzerland, again, like Gloria Davies, but who was also the first African-American artist to sing at Covent Garden when she was called in at the last minute to sing the title role of Aida. She died prematurely of cancer and never gained a foothold in her native country. Thank goodness we do have a handful of vital documents. And in that episode that I mentioned that I did about her, I featured almost all of her performance of the role of Aida, except for this. This is the Act One trio in which Amneris, Radames, and Aida stake out their very distinct places in this love triangle. The Prague-born Croatian mezzo-soprano Georgine von Milinkovic is the Amneris here, known primarily for her Wagner, Strauss, and Mozart roles. But she also sang all of the great Verdi parts in German, as well as Carmen. The Slovenian-born tenor Josef Gostic is the Radames here. He's another singer who's primarily lost to time, but whose biggest claim to fame was creating the role of Midas, Midas, in Richard Strauss's penultimate opera Die Liebe der Danae, in which he sang opposite Annelise Cooper, who we heard a little while ago. Clemens Krauss, of course, was a very close collaborator of Richard Strauss's in his late years. He was married to the Romanian soprano Viorica Ursuliats, who is an interesting, if somewhat difficult, singer to assess from our present-day perspective. But let us enjoy the work of yet another great African-American singer, as well as two relatively unremembered artists who could perhaps be included in my category of singers behind the Iron Curtain. I 
great African-American singer who was fairly underrecorded is the marvelous Betty Allen, primarily known as a concert singer, but who also had a career in Germany, in Berlin specifically, in the late 1950s and early 60s. We don't have any other recordings of her singing Verdi that I know of, except this marvelous scene between Amneris, her role, and Aida from the second act of the opera. Aida here is performed by another great German singer who is mostly forgotten today. That is the Hannover-born soprano Hildegard Hillebrecht, who lived from 1927 to 2018. Today, she's not so well remembered, but she sang at Bayreuth, Munich, Stuttgart, the Met, Covent Garden, the Wiener Staatsoper, the Salzburg Festival, as well as at the Deutsche Oper here in Berlin, from whence this recording originates. She worked with the greatest conductors as well, including Karl Böhm, with whom she recorded Ariadne of Natsos, and Herbert von Karajan, who conducted her in his last live performances of Electra, in which she sang the role of Chrysothemis. I remember that people criticized her a lot in those days. When I listen to her now, I really don't understand what they're talking about. This was a fine singer, and I think this is a crackling performance of this duet. I would like to note in particular that Betty Allen offers a really fascinating psychological portrait of Amneris and her fatal jealousy. The conductor Horst Stein leads the Berliner Symphonica in this 1960 recording. Ich 
I mentioned that revival of Forza del Destino, Die Macht des Schicksals, which is considered to have begun the Verdi Renaissance in Germany. The soprano on that occasion was the German singer Meta Seinemeyer, who was one of the most extraordinary voices that one will ever encounter. It's also an incredibly tragic story because she died of leukemia at the age of only 34 years old. But she was on her way to becoming one of the great sopranos of her era. In fact, she had already achieved that status. This is a short portion of the Act Three duet between Aida and her father Amonazro. Her father here is portrayed by the German singer Robert Burg, who was also a member of the opera company in Dresden, as was Meta Seinemeyer, and took part, as she did, in the premiere of Busoni's Dr. Faust, as well as creating the title role in Hindemith's Cardillac. It's nice to be able to present to you another singer who is relatively forgotten today. The conductor on this recording is Frieda Weissmann, who was a distinguished German conductor over the course of his entire life, but who married Mete Seinemeyer on her deathbed. Frieda Weissmann was of Jewish heritage and therefore, in the years following Seinemeyer's death, lived a very precarious existence here in Germany. He emigrated to the Netherlands in 1933, and from there moved to Buenos Aires, where he acquired Argentinian citizenship in 1935. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
I'm going to end the Aida duets with the earliest recorded performance that we're going to hear today. That is between Richard Tauber as Radames and Zabine Kalter as Amneris in the fourth act duet between those two characters. I don't think that Richard Tauber needs any introduction, but it might surprise some of you to hear him singing a role like Radames. But remember, apart from being a sublime Mozart singer and for creating all of those operetta roles that were written for him by Franz Leha, he also sang a good deal of Heldentenor repertoire and also some of the big Italian parts, including Kalaf at three days' notice in the German-language premiere of Turandot in 1926. So he was a crackerjack musician, a sublime singer. He's one of my very favorites. And Sabine Kalter was a German mezzo-soprano of that distinctive character and quality that's so specific to the German mezzos of that period. She escaped the Nazis in 1934 and lived out the rest of her life in London. This recording is, as I say, from 1923. Thank you. 
and trios from Verdi sung in German today. If you're interested, I'm in the midst of preparing an episode also on Verdi arias sung in German, and also, potentially, another episode on Verdi's Rigoletto sung in German. Rigoletto is the most popular Verdi opera today in Germany and probably around the world. It's a fascinating opera, and we certainly will take a closer look at it at some point in the future. For now, I want to close the episode with the second half of the Otello love duet. The two singers I'm featuring in this 1958 recording are Rudolf Schock and Elisabeth Grümer. Rudolf Schock was a ubiquitous presence and he remains very popular among German music lovers. He was never one of my favorites, but he does some really credible and creditable work. I think that this recording of Otello, even though it's a part that I'm not sure he ever sang in the house, suits him very well. He manages a beautiful piano at the end. The voice always sounded a little on the beefy, leathery end of things to me, but he also could sing with enormous grace. About the singer Elisabeth Grömer, one of the great jugendlich dramatisch voices of any era, I have nothing but praise and admiration. She was a sublime Mozart, Strauss, and light Wagner soprano, and she also sang a number of choice Verdi roles, in particular Desdemona. So I will see you off today with this exquisite performance of the love duet from Otello. Richard Kraus is the conductor, and he leads the Orchestra der Deutschen Oper Berlin. <laughs> Also groß ist mein Glück, 
My dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach. <laughs>